This podcast is distributed for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. The information, opinions, and views contained herein are our own and may be subject to change at any time without prior notice. We do not have any obligation to provide revised opinions in the event of changed circumstances. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss. Nothing contained in this website should be construed as investment advice. Any reference to an investment's past or potential performance is not and should not be construed as a recommendation or as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. Hey everybody, we're back. It's Jeremy Wynn and Nathan Harper with Venue Ventures. Hello everybody. And today we're going to talk about uh, something that Ray Dalio said and kind of made famous was cash is trash or is it? Yeah, you get just have to kind of look at um, and, and kind of what brings us up is where we're progressing towards or at least where we feel like we're progressing towards or personally I feel like we're progressing towards as a society of uh, the government is wanting to get us to, you know, a 3% inflationary rate um, net inflation uh, and we're not getting anywhere close, even though they've been running the printing presses since what March, oh, more or less. They were running it before then, but I mean, really running them, yeah, yeah really six, running them in March. Six trillion dollars of just running the printing press, more or less, and and we're we're progressing into this year of additional potential for running the printing press. Um, I it's it's one of those things where how do you keep pace with with that type of inflationary uh, measures that are put out there and part of that comes back to if you just took all of the cash that you had and buried it outside the value of that thousand dollars that you buried outside doesn't grow over time everybody knows that but that is where the idea at least in my mind comes that cash is trash is that when you hold cash as having a store value that's more than than what the face dollar amount is on it, it it doesn't necessarily translate to ten years from now, twenty years from now, thirty years from now. Right, meaning your one dollar, what can it buy? Exactly. The classic is what does a gallon of milk cost, or what does a decent home cost? I mean, you could even extrapolate that out to a lot of varying factors, and and it's as time goes on, we only see that exaggerated in in our day to day lives of. Uh, you know, what does a gallon of milk cost? Uh, you know, it's been pretty, pretty stagnant, I want to say, but uh, I, I don't think that that's necessarily accurate there. That's mm-hmm. projecting what the market price is going to be for a gallon of gas or a gallon of milk. But I think uh, with the government subsidies on, on milk purchases, for the most part, you can look at it being pretty stable throughout history, the overall price of milk. Um, if you were a dairy farmer, you're not necessarily making a, a lot of money just because you're restricted on the overall price. I'm looking at that 119 for a gallon of gas there on that picture or a gallon of milk. Uh, and you know, I've paid, uh, depending on what Safeway special has 99 cents for, uh, a gallon of milk, uh, on up to three bucks for a gallon of milk. Now that's obviously not your organic, um, Fresh from the teat, uh, free range. Free range. I milked it myself. <laughs> this is from one of those uh, uh, factories, or however you want to envision it in your mind, one of those places. But uh, U.S. average price of milk per gallon, um, there in that blue chart. I but mean, it's either way you look at it, it's like 
we know prices are increasing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can tell myself uh, over the year, just this last, well, in 2020, I guess we're in a new year, um, food prices increase. We, we keep track of what we spend on food pretty um, pretty well. Uh, we go over it on a monthly basis, and we could tell without changing our diet or going out to eat you know, more or less that we had a significant change in our food bill. Like it was significant enough that we saw it and we were like, oh, that's interesting. But it wasn't, and that's just N equals one for myself. Obviously, I've heard other people saying the same thing. Yep. Uh, it, it comes down to then what he's saying. He's not talking about a gallon of milk and these kind of things. He's talking about your investments, right? Yep. So when you have your money sitting in a bank account and it gets 0.5% interest, mm. it, which is good yeah. now, um, what is that doing uh, in compared to what that dollar is worth or what you could be doing with that money in something else, uh, anything else comparatively? So uh, that's where I think a lot of the model of you know my personal investment style has changed over the years is looking at that as well. And with the advent of a lot of these banks being able to uh, allow you to transfer money pretty quickly in and out between investments, you know, after settlement dates and that kind of stuff, you know, you're less than less than a week to be able to get that money oh, yeah. into your account. So when you look at that, what do you need and why uh, in your bank account to sit there and hold when it could be in something else and very low risk? Yep. If you're risk averse to, uh, you know, hedge yourself against, you know, the dollar, the dollar decreasing. Yeah. I, I mean, you're looking at just gradual progression of even if you put it in an indexed um, fund of a S&P or a, a NASDAQ or even the Dow, you could put them in any of those and they're actually, it, it would actually be working for you much more than actually than burying it in a mayonnaise jar in your backyard. And so I, obviously we're, we're in the mindset of you can always invest and, and make uh, money in the markets um, and short term, long term, whatever your time frame horizon is on it. But it's, it's one of those, uh, things that you have to answer for yourself is how do you think to best grow the amount of money that you have in the near term, long term, uh, and and what does it look like moving forward? Is are the minor changes that happen on a day to day basis um, in comparison to the longer term horizon? Is that uh, is that something that is measurable enough to make you? pull out the savings and put it into investments or is the fact that you have a savings account or something that's in savings making the 0.5% of growth, which I think is fairly high. I, I know Ally is about 0.5% and I think they're one of the higher ones. But if you go to like your major, you know, your Chase, your Wells Fargo, your U.S. Bank, you're getting 0.0001% uh, on your savings account in there. And so in, in essence, what you're saying is that I just like having the, the idea of a bank insuring my money up to 250,000. Uh, and it's not even the bank insuring your money. It's the federal government insuring your money up to $250,000 to provide that safety or security for you. When in actuality, you can have more s flexibility or safety or security by having your money in the markets or whatever, uh, avenue you're looking at, if that's BTC or something else along those lines. So what are they actually insuring? Your bank gets robbed? 
Yeah. So you remember Washington Mutual went out uh, business. Yeah. Uh, so it's your deposit. It's your federal deposit insurance uh, that that you have, and so it's up to that two hundred fifty thousand dollars that that they will guarantee that even if your bank goes up or under and they don't have any money available to give to you, that the federal government will come in and give you that money and, and insure that money up to that amount. Uh, I don't know that it's actually come into play in recent years for for any of those. Uh, major banks. I mean, obviously Chase came in and purchased Washington Mutual to to the point where I, they've avoided having to trigger those types of events for uh, account holders. But I I want to say that uh, you look at uh, holdings across the the broad scale. I I don't know of too many people much anymore that that look. Or at least for myself personally, I could say I don't really look too much at at having uh, money tied up in savings just based off of the return that you get for the savings uh, for keeping your money housed for the bank. It there's not the return that's there. It doesn't make sense to to keep that money tied up in that yeah that avenue. When we look at some other uh, large companies or corporations that do house money and are holding a ton of money. You think mm-hmm. of somebody like Apple or Berkshire. Yep. They've got large reserves that are sitting there. You know, in, in a sense like that, you know, why aren't they? Why aren't they investing into something else? What is it that they are looking to do with that cash? They've been sitting on it. For, I know uh, both Apple. Well, Apple recently has been taking a lot of loans out. I think they're about one-to-one now with cash to debt since interest rates are so low. But... Yeah, you know, Berkshire. I haven't looked at them as much either. Like, I think they have about 130 billion. They got a lot. I know. Yeah. The, what's that? You know, what's that mindset on there? Because they're they're basically the antithesis of what Ray Dalio is saying as well. Like, I'm not a Ray Dalio like, you know, what do you want to call him, prophet or whatever <laughs> you want to say. But I do feel the same way with cash, and I personally don't hold a lot of cash in my bank accounts unless I'm going to be using it. Because, I mean, when you say cash is trash, well, you can't buy anything with you know, gold, you can't go out there and take a store. You can't buy hardly anything with Bitcoin. So it's like you have to have cash. So cash is still there. So what are yeah. the, what are these companies buying or why are they holding on to it? Is it just the swoop in potential to buy is the only thing I could think of why uh, Berkshire would hold the cash is, uh, you know, buying opportunity potential in the future. But I, I really don't see in the near term horizon that that type of buying opportunity uh, similar to what we had with the COVID events of, you know, this last March where they would there was an excellent opportunity for them to buy and I don't think they necessarily jumped in uh as much as they possibly could in that in that avenue. Yeah, uh, you can see on the chart here in March, uh, I mean, once they started printing money, uh it just it just started slamming it. Right? Yeah. And you just uh, that's what's going to happen. Two things really, right? Printing money and interest rates. Yeah. So and I think what we're going to see here for the near term is that the interest rates are going to uh, more or less level off uh, for interest rates of like for your lending and, and that type of stuff. I think we're already seeing some of that play out with um, I, unless they're ma- going to be making some negative interest moves or negative lending moves uh, on the Federal Reserve or central banking system. It's just going to kind of level out at our current levels that we have, 3% for 30-year type of yeah. thing and, uh, you know, around the twos for your 15-year type of mortgages. And that's that's kind of moving the needle, I think, on the construction and personal finance side for a lot of people. Uh, but as as far as the overall dollar value, I I don't – they aren't seeing that, that inflation like they're wanting to, that 3% that they're wanting to see. And so – 
as as we're seeing that move forward, the value of the dollar and 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 you alluded to it earlier. It's not like you're going to go to the store and pay in Bitcoin for any type of thing. You want right. to go to the store and pay in Apple or um, uh, any other type of major stock or holding yeah. along those lines because it it doesn't have the value. It's that that currency or that exchange that provides that value for our everyday markets, which you know until that point in time where we see what is it, the DM coin or yeah, whatever yeah. come into play that we aren't necessarily going to have that electronic version or the the non-tie to the, the U.S. dollar. Well, I po posted in the Discord the CBDCs, uh, central bank uh, digital coins, so they are testing out a bunch of different uh, digital coins. I mean, and why wouldn't they? I mean, ultimately, our system is a digital system anyway, uh, and when you looked at uh, what they were saying is, Look, the technology is way better in what they're what's currently out there with Bitcoin and these and some of these stable coins and uh, altcoins. There's technology out there that's way better than what all these banks are currently using. So why wouldn't they test this out? And they said specifically they didn't want to be they don't want to be the first one in, and they don't have to because nope. you know the U.S. is the reserve currency, mm -hmm. so they don't have to be the first one to test it. All these other countries which are starting to test their own digital currencies and, and that type of stuff are, those are the testers. Great. What's going wrong? What's going right? We won't see it this year, but within the next five years, I would imagine we see something coming about for a, uh, you know, central bank digital currency. You know, you have your, uh, a lot of people are throwing out the tether FUD, um, which is a stable coin in the cryptocurrency side. Ultimately it's just pegged to the U S dollar. And it, you know, they had a lot of issues because people were uh, worried that they weren't backed a hundred percent for the amount of tethers that they were printing. Yeah. You know, just like our central bank prints, <laughs> but you know, they had assets is like 70% of the assets. Well, I get it. I, I understand that too. Why don't they have a hundred percent? Does it really matter in a sense like that when you're looking at how it's being used? Um, but once that FUD came out or the fear, the uncertainty, the doubt, uh, there was multiple different c coins that were USDC. There's Dai coin. There's, I mean, there's a bajillion more that it came out from that. Yeah. So there's use cases and our governments are seeing that there are use cases. And with that, you're going to see a lot more implementation into the digital currency side, which brings you back to the DM coin. Yep. Which, uh, when you think about somebody like, uh, Lynn Alden, uh, she's a, she's a fund manager and she's, she's, throwing out a ton of stuff in you know talking about hedging against the dollar as well and uh she's you know she's into cryptocurrencies and that kind of stuff and she's something about um the amount of our currencies are becoming more centralized themselves in the world currency so instead of having you know you have your your uh, the pound and the dollar and the yen that they're converging much more together yes and this digital currency itself i think will do the same thing if DM coin ever becomes something that's going to be the, the mode like the, there's so many users on Facebook. Yeah. The mass adoption, the mass adoption is going to really roll it in there. Does that, how do they take that away from them themselves? The, the governments, because if they're going to want a, is there going to be a world currency? Maybe the DM coin is going to be the world currency and each other country still has their own internal, you know? It'd be a way for them to really get it out to the masses, potentially, as far as... But it, I don't see them relinquishing their control over being able to have uh, the the levers, you know, because they want to be able to have the control of the levers to either 
devalue or value right. these these overall currencies in in short order and see the overall effects in the economies uh, the way that they want to. And I, you know, you're looking at the graphic here is that the gold price in comparison to the uh, the underlying currency. And we can't get the change necessary that they want to in in that type of exchange. They can't Um, print money fast enough. No. And which is uh, startling considering how much they have printed over the last nine trillion. I think I pulled up for last for 2020. Yeah. And so when you look at nine trillion dollars of print money and your inflation isn't there, your your relationships aren't aren't necessarily tying together the way that they should. What does that mean moving forward? Uh, How do we. How are we going to view, you know, the next 12 months, the next 18 months as we continue to navigate through this COVID crisis and have to try to continue to prop up the economies? Are we going to need to continue to prop up these economies in relation to, um, you know, the amount of money that's out there and and how we view that money delivery? Right. Yeah. Um, This is another one that she posted out there about. uh, This was after Ray Dalio. you know, he stated his cash is trash. Uh, oh, no, this is a debt in the companies. I don't know why I pulled that one up. There was another one I saw. So she she pulled up uh, a post of hers once uh, Ray Dalio had you know, said cash is trash, but we can see that on the DXY, which showed it. He tweeted it out. Cash is trash. And then after that, you know, it's, it's completely gone down itself uh, over the time frame. But but you'd look at all world currencies have gone down in value over that time frame. The dollar is consistently lagging behind the overall value across the the world economies. And yes. so it's uh, it, as you look at it in comparison to growth, I've read stuff that says that uh, you're going to look at these other foreign nations outside the United States that aren't based on the dollar, um, have more continued growth because they were able to devalue the dollar, but it also allowed for their future continued growth to happen over the next 10 years. Um, I don't necessarily buy into that as a, as a mindset. I think that you're going to consistently see the innovation and growth that happens in the United States transfer, transfer out. Um, I think you're going to continue to see the, the, the want or the need to devalue or have inflation for uh, the dollar uh, moving forward throughout the rest of this year, possibly into next year as well. And that's going to play out for, um, our continued growth, at least, is how we look at for our investments. So, if the Fed is just going to keep printing, right? I mm-hmm. mean, they've already said that for at least this next year, get us through the crisis. What happens after that? Like, what I, at what point in time? And you know, you've brought this up because people are concerned about the debt that the U.S. has. Well, the interest rate that the that the U.S. is getting, the amount that they're paying out is almost it's marginally more. But we have 10x the debt. Yeah, it was something uh, something that I read at the year 2000. We we had like six trillion dollars worth of debt, and, I, and not exact numbers right now because I'm going off memory. But let's just say it was six trillion dollars and uh, of debt, and our debt payment was 300 billion dollars per year. Um, and then you look at I think two years ago it was something like 17 trillion dollars or 18 trillion dollars, so three times the debt. But our debt payment went from 300 billion a year up to 450 billion dollars a year. And so because the interest rates are so low it allows for the government to uh borrow money and have that debt payment be so low in relation. Uh and so that's going to continue especially through um uh th- 
through the near-term time frame where we have low interest rates where our debt payment doesn't necessarily increase all that much in comparison to um, the overall debt that we take on. And, and that's in relation to the GDP and the growth of the GDP. And, and how much longer can it continue? I don't know. Is there ever a time frame where we're going to wake up and have to pay the piper or are we continually kicking the can down the road? And it seems currently that we're kicking the can down the road and that, that mode of operation is going to continue where we kick the can down the road for when does that actually become due? Well, if we have, if it becomes due and the value of the dollar is so much lower than what it is right now, then that payment just seems that much less. But is it, um, is that something that we can continually perpetuate, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now? I, I don't know. I, I'm not, you don't have a crystal ball. No, no crystal ball to be able to say that. I just know that in order to defend myself from, that eventuality, you have to try to accumulate the growth that's in excess of where your current um, current inflationary pressures are, and and having it in a in a bank account right now is not going to protect you against the future inflationary rates. You have it in in investments, and and you and I personally have it in investments in in the market to protect from those inflationary pressures. If you're having growth of 10, 20, 30% uh, per year and the inflation rate for those years are two or 3%, then obviously you're coming out ahead and that's what you continually want to have year over year over year is that additional growth and that compounding interest of right. of your growth for that time frame. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, nobody can really see what's going to happen. Everybody, you know, when you look at the debt clock, it's just, you know, ticking up here. I've never been on this site before. It was just the first one I clicked on. Yeah. But, you know, 27, that's a lot. Well, and, and the fact is they say U.S. published national debt versus the truth. and and Yeah, I don't know what that yeah, whole thing is. They're it's probably basing that off of something. And I, you look at these and it scares you into thinking, oh, each taxpayer shares a, almost $900,000. Well, is that really indicative of, of what our, our share is? And, and I'd... You know, if we were to look at what our government budget is of, you know, let's just say $4 trillion to work in round numbers and our debt is $27 trillion, obviously it takes it, it take quite a few years of the government not uh, using or spending any money and just applying that towards debt to pay off of our pay off our existing debt. Yeah. Uh, but when our debt payment is only, you know, $400 billion or $500 billion per year, then you, you swallow that pill and, and continue to pump the money because that's what's driving the overall economy. And that's how uh, we, at least I look at the graphic or I looked at that that video that we posted on the resources for uh, Discord uh, was um, how money works and why we have uh, why we have the money in our system and how we have to look at lending and borrowing as what drives our overall overall system. Right. Well, and I think the when you look at the debt, sell the debt, you know, the amount of debt here, they can't, you know, uh, they have to implement something to where they can't raise interest rates because they've taken on, you know, more debt. Their payments, you know, are marginally more than what they were. But if the interest rates were to go up, that would that would devastate the entire system. So they have to keep interest rates low. But how low can they go? Well, I mean, how long can they keep them this low, too? Right. So w when does that change and how does it change uh, down the road? I think that's probably the next the next thing that is, you know, in my eyes, that's going to really, you know, rock the boat to say down the road. But when does that happen? Is it in two years? Is it in 10 years, 20 years? Like you said, how far can they kick that down the road? 
and I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. And, and I think what, what you have to focus on, at least in the near short term, year to two years, is just looking at the fact of right now is we're in a great growth opportunity. And you got to capitalize on the great growth opportunity and uh, evaluate, okay, what what does the the compounding growth of right now mean? How can that look for three years down the road? You know, because if you do it in comparison of say what a million dollars was 30 years ago versus what a million dollars will be 30 years from now, both of those visions are two different things because, you know, we, we look at a million dollars right now as that's, that's a, that's a good chunk of money. 30 years ago, a million dollars was kind of, you know, you could have retired. That was like the end goal for, <laughs> for everybody. I, oh, I made a million bucks. Yeah. And, and so then you could just check out. You didn't have to do anything yeah. anymore in your mind. Well, 30 years from now, what's a million dollars going to look like? Or are we looking at, a, oh, that's basically in essence a $40,000 a year job? Or is, is that it going to be dollars? Oh, it, a million other, DM coins. Yeah, you don't know what that exchange <laughs> is going to be. Is it going to be credits or y- y- yeah. how are they going to view stuff? How do they it? scan my little barcode on my arm <laughs> to make sure that I'm, I have enough money in my account? Right. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Uh, I mean, the, basically this conversation was just kind of bring up the idea of cash is trash. Is it really trash? I mean, obviously we still use it. So in that sense, no. But when you look at your overall value of your portfolio of your life, in terms of money, you know, there's probably some good arguments to, to, to put out there to make sure that you're hedging against the dollar. Um, especially when we look at the charts and it's looking like in them printing, it, it's just going to keep going lower in the next 12 to 24 months minimum, I would say, but yeah. things can change. We already know they're going to be putting out, uh, the next stimulus, right? Uh, the the next one and then possibly one after that again as we continue to see the um the the new or incoming administration has indicated that they they're gonna this uh, first round is is just the down payment more or less on the yeah. upcoming stimulus that's that's to be determined here within the next six months I think and so, so if that's their major goal we have two years of um some pretty clear paths for them to push stuff through if they really want it oh yeah they, so. I don't know exactly how clear path it is. It's not exactly the the overall supermajority that's needed, but it is going to be something that they will be able to get some of the ideas through in short order. Yeah. Um, the, the roadblocks that might have been there are certainly not there right now. And um, it, when you when you evaluate what is what is cash and how is the trade going to happen, that it really creates that um, the question marks of how much longer can this continue? At least for my mindset, it's going to be continuing here for, uh, you know, 12 to 24 month time frame. Uh, and we're looking at the possibility of it being extended much further into 2024, 2025 time frame. Um, and it, as long as it's going good, you might as well capitalize on it while you can. Right. That's right. So I guess that's all we got for today. Um, it was a short one. Well, shorter than normal, but Jeremy and I, we can talk forever, but we'll leave it there and, um, yeah, have a good day.